When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, welcome back to The Ruck. Jonesy, for decibels, atmosphere, intensity, where does Cardiff on Saturday rank? Right right up there. I can't remember there being a, a noisier or more atmospheric or passionate atmosphere in the stadium for maybe 10 years, may, maybe more. And uh, I think that's what happens when the visiting coach says he doesn't think it's a it's a it's an iconic stadium and he's not worried about the noise because every Welsh person who reads that thinks when I get there I'm going to open my lungs and scream and scream at people. <laughs> yes, I, I I think look these people have played in front of big crowds before, but I think just now and again maybe once every three or four years the intensity of the stadium, especially one that's all enveloping, does make a difference to the result. And I didn't th- don't think England handled it. Those are the dulcet tones of Stephen Jones. Uh, I'm Owen Slot. Uh, we have England captain Sarah Hunter joining us later in the pod. But for the whole of the show, we are also graced by the presence of Ben Ryan, who I think is probably fair to say has had more babies named after him in Fiji than anyone in the history of the game. Ben, can we go with that today? Maybe, maybe. Ben, if you haven't been... None of them were his, though, so you've got to, <laughs> no. got to point that out. Well, <laughs> thank you. We should cover that option. Yeah, yeah that um, so if you haven't been on this planet, then you wouldn't know that Ben coached Fiji to the Olympic Sevens Gold 2016, um, uh, the book uh, Sevens Heaven, The Beautiful Chaos of Fiji's Olympic Dream is on the way to being a film. Yep. Have they got anyone to play you yet? No, ben? no, no, they haven't yet, but no, it is... It you is, get asked all the time, don't you? I do, yeah, I do. I don't mind, but I'm quite looking forward to actually seeing the film eventually. Uh, but no, it's all progressing really well, really happy with that. Good you show. should have won the book at the sports book of the year. I thought that was the most amazing book. Should Thank have won you. It. Should have won it. Another cataclysmic Six Nations weekend. I know it's a cliche, but Six Nations um, always delivers. Uh, what, what does form count for in the Six Nations? Ireland were the form team coming in and have have had none of it since it started. England had form for two games and then lost it on Saturday. Wales were average for two games and now and are now a, a brace off a Grand Slam. How do we make sense of this all? Ben, you, you, you watch the weekend. No, I mean, I, I think, well, one thing at the moment is that we've got, you know, particularly with Ireland, uh, Wales and, and England, we have three teams that are, you know, are near the top of the world ranking. So that, so there's already fierce competition before you go into Six Nations. And I do think the atmosphere has a part to play and it did at the weekend. You know, Stephen talk, talked about, you know, that... I wasn't there, but the you know it was a, it was an inc- by all accounts an incredible atmosphere, and that does that is going to that is going to change how players react and how teams react, not only just in the game, but you know that 
as we talked about, just a, that ridiculously long build-up to the to the to the match. Um, so there was all of that happening, um, and it's finally balanced at the moment, I think. Um, and form does, you know, the Ireland are, are playing well, but they just seem to have lost a little bit of their the pace of the ball that they're getting at the moment. If you mm. even watch the game in Italy, you know, and mm. Connor's Murray's just not at the, at the level he was, neither Sexton. You could see when Sexton came off at the weekend just how how upset he was, probably with his own personal performance as well. And if your halfbacks aren't aren't really firing, then, you know, that's that's going to slow down what you're trying to achieve, particularly in the island setup where a lot of it is phase-orientated and requires those two to be right on their money. Steve, do you think that Ireland are in any way uh, similar to where England were in... Um, the autumn of 2017, when they were they're still winning, but they were sort of rumbling along, not very, uh, not very impressively or conclusively. And then, obviously, England really hit the buffers in the following Six Nations. It's hard to say. It, it could be, but the thing is, that what we said before about form: when New Zealand, New Zealand were the form team when they came to Ireland, and they got absolutely duffed, really, really well beaten. So Ireland became the form team, and quite rightly so. Then they were really well beaten by England, and, and the same thing with with Wales and England. So it's very difficult to chart to chart here the progress of a team. I don't know really. Ben is quite right. I mean, Ben uh, Ireland were playing a, by their standards a, a jog on on Saturday, mm-hmm. on Sunday rather. But I I, I don't know whether uh, we it's yet to be proven whether we should panic about Ireland or England, and uh, and as to whether they've lost what they had. Because only two weeks ago and three weeks ago, England put in two excellent performances. So it's part of the fascination of sport. It must drive the coaches nuts, but absolutely yeah. nuts. But as far as the, 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 the surprise element of sport goes, it, it is absolutely wonderful. It, yeah. it's, it sort of shows, as you said, Ben, you know, you've got three teams that are near the top of the world. It, you, you can't chart what's going to happen. I mean, it, and we in the media are endlessly trying to analyse why so-and-so has done well or badly and what's going to happen next. You know, we've, we've seen enough, therefore we can predict what's going to happen next. And, and this Six Nations just doesn't work like that. It doesn't. I mean, I, I do think there's something around preparation times for key games. So, for, And I don't, I don't mean about keeping players fresh. I mean the tactical approach. So if you took, took the England-Ireland game, um, the, the Ireland-England game... Um, England had a long preparation. They had a plan A that they executed beautifully to time, took Ireland a little bit by surprise, and they dominated. And And I think on the back of that, they kept that game plan, was helped a lot by France not picking a back three, they actually playing the back three. And they kept that momentum up. And then the third week against Wales, Wales knew exactly what was going to what was going to come as a plan A. They were still going to go to the air. Wales had a very good back three. They, their nine also harried Farrell really well yeah, at ten. Yeah. Slowed that 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 gave slowed down the space that that both Ben Youngs had for his box kicking and and Farrell had for his for his other open kicking game. And that meant their their kicks weren't on the money and weren't as accurate as they possibly could be. Now go three weeks earlier or however long ago the Ireland game was. They they weren't quite aware perhaps of that. His tactics didn't put those halfbacks under the pressure that Wales did. And so and the back three didn't deal with it as well. They weren't perhaps expecting it. So all of those things I think contribute to it. And as a coach, you know, I think Eddie prepared very well for that game against Ireland, had a game plan and it worked. There wasn't we don't know if they had a plan B against Ireland because he didn't need to use it. Mm. He did against Wales. He needed a plan B. They didn't they didn't fall into that. Um, 
And I think that's how, how sometimes you get those form changes. And Ireland have done that before as well, where the big game coming and everything goes mm. towards that. Wales, I think, also got that right. They had that second game against Italy that they made, what, 10 changes. And, and they really had the bigger picture. They were thinking of that England game. They had seen how England played. They were aware tactically to, to, to respond to that and then also bring their own game. And I, and I think, you know, Wales looked at both sides of the ball when they analysed and, and both teams when they analysed it a bit more thoroughly than England did. And that showed at the weekend. But uh, Steve, Barnsley's hammered uh, England this morning for their uh, inability to react and adapt. And, uh, and that's been a, a bit of a theme for England for, for, for far too long. Ironically, Owen Farrell was talking last week in this en- in the endless build-up about how England would adapt and how they, you know, that he was aware that this is something that should be happening. But the, the business of the, the the challenge of being able to think on your feet and and play to what you see is is, is a big part of the game, as you say, Ben. That when it, when England played those tactics against Ireland and slightly caught them off, Ireland didn't really adapt very well. I mean, are, are we expecting? I don't think we are. I, I said it in my piece today. England should have adapted, but is it is it that hard to react and go? Well, listen, that's not working. Let's let's stop kicking to Liam Williams, who seems to catch everything. An international match, it would be lovely for coaches if they talk about pathways to get the team together. Then win or lose, they say, well, we're making progress. Then they say we got these learnings, and then they say, right, we we got Plan A. Now we got to switch to Plan B. If it all worked like that, it would be easy to be a coach, but it doesn't work yeah. like that. I mean, again, I don't know whether. There came a time when England had to switch and they didn't. They had to switch things and they didn't. I don't know why they didn't do that. Whether whether there was just something in the whole game that is almost un- intangible that we that not we can't report on because we don't know what it was. Whether there was something in the whole game that was just against them, or whether Farrell who and, and blind me, I, I watched the game again this morning. Gareth Davis was really, really good in in defence. Um, mm. I, I would always play the guy. I, I, I was amazed they didn't play him a big at the start, but. Uh, you're quite right, Ben. Gareth Davis was was superb in harrying. He's like the, mm. the fastest open side flanker. Mm. Um, but I, I'm not going to say England. You know, you you didn't adapt, and you, you because the tactics are not always obvious. What you, where you should go anyway? Mm. Wales might move on somewhere during the game. So, and, and in fact, they did. Um, you know, Wales brought on a, a, a much fresher uh, bunch of carriers, and 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 who carried better than the starting team. So. It's just difficult. I'm not going to say to Eddie or, or Farrell, blimey lads, you completely blew that because you didn't change the game. It's not that easy to do. Mm. It's not that easy to do, I don't think. Do do, do um, So we, we agree that the, 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 the noise and the atmosphere in the Principality Stadium played a key role in the, in the way that unfolded. England won't... Is is that is that a problem or a, or a factor going forward? Because England aren't going to play a, an away game like it um, between now and the end of the World Cup, are they? I mean, England were in a World Cup final. I would put money on there being more white shirts in there than, than anyone else. Um, you, you know, the, the the thing about that the Cardiff Stadium is, is a complete one-off. But the thing is, I, I'd make it wider than that. I, I, I look, you're going to disagree with me here because you you have to get Owen, oh, you have to get a story every day. I'm just tired of the sniping, not at a con- not just at the country's rugby team or their coach, and this goes to for everybody, but actually making the dispersions about the na- the nation. Now, it, whether or not you're playing in a huge stadium, a noisy stadium, I think that's beneath people, and I think that winds players up and it it winds everybody up. So it's not just going into a stadium. I think people should just shut up and get on with it. 
and the, what they call mind games. They're not mind games. They're mindless games. Yeah, I hate that mind game stuff. Yeah. I just don't know. Why Do you? Oh yeah. my god, it just drives me mad. It's like, why are you wasting your time doing all of this? Get on with. Like you know, preparing teams, resting when you need, f- feeling, cl- having clear thinking, and not not doing all of this. I just don't. I just don't get that. I just don't get it. Do you, do you think in any way then that that Warren Gatlin singling out Carl Sinclair in advance, making him f- feel, making him know that they were watching, and that making him putting the pressure on on him early? Do you think that had nothing to do with the fact that that it played out as he had foreseen? I do, firstly, I'm not quite. I mean, you guys will know more than me. Was it, I don't know if it was he was reacting to a question that was asked to him about Carl Sinclair. I'm not sure if that was the case and that he didn't actually kind of bring it up himself independently. That's a good point. I don't, I don't I, know I, the I answer think, to that either. I think but, he was asked a question, but um, but but still, to, to 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 drop out the words "emotional time bomb." That's yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I just. Uh, I like Carl. I think he's a great player, and but he, you know, the 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 occasion was, you know, at times, yeah, he got over aroused. That may or may not be linked into what Warren said. Um, I don't know, and and you never know. And maybe you should ask Carl that, and he's going to have a long and illustrious career, mm. I hope, because he's a terrific player. Um, and I don't think Warren particularly played any any mind games. I think that was a. I don't know where that came from, and I think he would say. I think that he was asked the question about about Carl. So. Um, it was Eddie really that was talking about a little bit more mind games. Um, yeah, I, I just, I just, I just don't get it. I don't understand it. And like, I'm much prefer to be a bit more like Schmidt, where he just keeps quiet and gets on with things. And but where Eddie called out Reese Patchell famously well, a, a year, year ago, ago did that's that, it. Did well, that not help? I mean, did that not help them win a game? No, I don't particularly think so. Uh, I, that, I mean, it'd be interesting if you asked the questions to Eddie, whether he actually thinks it's part of his weapons as an international head coach to utilise that to try to get under the, under, under the skin of the opposition the I've, week before I, games. I've asked him that question, and he yeah. says, yes, I'll, I'll do anything to help us win a game. And and, and, and the one time that he's uh, he's reined back um, afterwards or, 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 or acknowledged that he got it wrong since he's been with England was when he had a go at Johnny Sexton and said that... Um, his parents should be worried if uh, mm-hmm. for him playing in the game, and and sometime after that he said, you know, I, "I overstepped a line there." Well, I, I agree with Ben, but the thing is, if you're going to do that, if you think that's what part of your job is fine, but then don't complain when your tight head prop has five minutes where he gives away two penalties because mm-hmm. you've helped to create the atmosphere I, of confrontation. You're absolutely the two right teams. there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, but also having said that, I think Sinclair is the best news for English rugby the whole season. And they've so wanted a guy. I mean, the people they've had recently been either not dominant enough in the scrum or made no efforts around the field or, gave, in Dan Cole's case, gave away too many penalties, which Sinclair doesn't usually do. And I think you're talking here a, a titan, a 50-cap titan, who could also play for the Lions as well. I just think I absolutely love the guy. Yeah, well, I'm with you on that. I, yeah. I, I, I feel the same. I thought I thought it was interesting uh, to talk about how Eddie handles media and that. Uh, after the... The game, he did something pretty unusual for any coach, and he 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 basically said to the media, "Can can you guys please just go go soft on him, not soft on him, go light on him? Uh, you know, he, he's a young man, and he uh, and he doesn't he could do without this. He will be a great player. He is mm. a great player. And and for a for a coach to 
to ask that question like that is yeah but then you go 12 months earlier and Reese Patchell it's like he set him up to no, you know I, he wanted I, to, I so, agree that so there's the, 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 the degree of hypocrisy are you is, sure you're nominated for this award tonight uh, easy <laughs> it all happens later Jonesy I find I just find it all I just think there's too many I don't know how the best way of explaining this really but say one thing do another and it just changes week by week and I was watching the post-match press conference when uh, it was Eddie and, and uh, Owen Farrell and when there were times when Owen was talking that Eddie was actually looking at his phone and it's like well, you know that that, yeah. that that for me is showing like a bit of a lack, lack of respect for your players or just that your focus is elsewhere England have been playing brilliantly and I think they've got they've got they've got their selection so much better than it has been and people like Carl of Breath of the Fresh Air I thought Tom Curry was sensational mm. you know they, they, they really have you know got a, the makings of a, of a team that can go to the World Cup and, and win the World Cup but I just think there's other stuff that's just needless Ben on, on, um, on the subject on, when, it's, when it's international rugby uh, a, a team loses a game or, or has a great victory and, and and as as Jonesy says, we're all trying to chart where they are, you know, especially with the in a World Cup here, you know, are they up here, are they down there, or whatever. If it's a Premiership game, or, or maybe for, from your background in sevens, where there's lots of games, if you lose one, then you take it on the chin and you go up there mm. and you move on, and and you haven't got all this judgment. Oh, we're we're at, we're no we're no good anymore. Is that just the nature of of international rugby that? Because it has more media attention and it's slightly rarer that that we can we seem to consider it like that. Or do you think that if England do lose a big game like that where they don't adapt and they're and they're slightly quelled by the the atmosphere and the noise or something, they are they aren't actually the team we thought they were. I yeah I think you're right in the first place and and it was already mentioned earlier you know journalists do need to come up with stories every day and so that that will be an angle that people will be looking at on Monday our England our England you know the real deal have they have they a real test has come and they failed actually there was a real test in Ireland a few weeks ago and they passed that with flying colours yeah. so you can't suddenly like turn around and say they you know that they tactically Wales countered their their tactics and then there wasn't there wasn't the the bandwidth to then have a, se- a second way of playing and then Wales brought a fairly simple attritional game to them particularly in the second half where the fresh ball carriers made some big incisions of one one out passing but it, it did it did give them a foothold in the game and some possession and the momentum swung Wales's way um, England have now they look happier on the field than they did 12 months ago they, the selection is more consistent and they've got the right people in the right places I'd still be playing Elliot Daly at 13 but that's just me um, and Henry Slade's doing a, a great job but I do think um, I do think England are, are, are playing very well. And, and so, Jones, you like, likewise Wales. It, it, when we're charting them, are, are they the real deal all of a sudden, or or was that likewise the game in in unique circumstances of that of that stadium where they offered the the, the, the match of their lives? Well, I think they, they, no, they're not the real deal. If you mean you know, are they contenders for the World Cup to win the World Cup yet? But I, I do think they're still just slightly underpowered. Thomas Francis has come on really well. He's not a natural sort of carrier like Sinclair is, but he's come on really well. But I still think they're underpowered, and I, I, I went down a, like a lead balloon before the game by suggesting that they had two open-side flankers and they're better off only having one. But I do think the pack will gain when when Taolepe Falatau comes back, and I think they ought to put Moriarty on the blind side because I think he's happier there. I just play one of Tipperick and Navidi. I know it's sacrilegious because everybody loves them. And Navidi's been um, uh, man of the match twice in three games. But I think these days you, you've got to have massive carriers, uh, for better or worse. And I think they're still slightly underpowered. Um, interesting as to what they do with, with, with Dan Bigger, because 
I think he should have started, but the way Warren handled it with Anscombe playing by no means spectacularly, but all right. And then it was like the entrance of the gladiator. It's like, you know, yeah. 62 minutes only, only came to, you know, make his dispositions and, and win the game. So possibly they might do that again. Interesting. Mm. But mm. I think Wales are two, three short. And, and also, I didn't like the way that Manu Tulangi, who didn't show an awful lot of appetite for the game, sort of almost walked past Hadley Parks in, in an embarrassing fashion. And, you know, it's amazing to say it, but in that game, and all Wales are trying to develop, in that sort of game, they would have been just as well playing Jamie Roberts there because they weren't really trying to beat England by any by going mm. out wide. So mm. it was interesting. I, I don't think the, the... I think Scott Williams has come really back into contention alongside Jonathan Davis. Mm. Mm. Um, ben, would, would, have you got a, a view on uh, Bigger v Anscombe, which uh, sounds like it'll carry on right until the... Uh, no, I don't. I, don't, I think I think uh, one of the coaches mentioned it. Maybe Eddie that you know there are you know, they've got two very good out halves and they've got they've got some good options at nine. Um, it'll be down to form, injury, horses for courses. Sometimes in strategy, um, bigger came on, made a big impact, and so then you could say, well, Warren, you know, got that absolutely spot on in his selection. Um, yeah, I, I I think back row they probably do need the de- they need to tweak around that and the ball carrier stuff, you know. And we look at you know another pet hate of mine but the amount of, a of tackle rates that have gone through the roof in the last 20 years and rucks has meant that you know you need a lot of big ball carriers you know and uh and Wales are probably shy of a couple of those and Falatel will, will half solve that but in a world cup campaign where you will get key injuries you're going to need a bit more depth a bit more carrying if Wales are going to continue to play the game they kind of played at the weekend mm. but, but I, I mean I this is not a technical matter from the weekend, but the, the, the amount of tackles you have to make now. Oh. To me, it is absolutely remarkable that people will still go along and watch rugby and be entertained by it when the hot four-fifths of the game is some mindless pick-up, go around the corner, pick-up and go around the corner. And the idea that that should be rated as a tackle when a guy is just going to run straight into you and head first anyway, so all you've got to do is push him down... The idea that that should be a tackle is just ridiculous. And the next thing they've got to do after the World Cup is they've got to reduce the number of the, the number of mini rucks and the boring round the corner stuff is yeah. completely taking over the game. Yeah, and you, <coughs> rugby must be a great game because because people still love it even with all that. It's a, it's amazing, isn't it? I I I I didn't think the weekend's game was was a decent game at all. It was it had a huge amount of mm. of of uh, atmosphere and there was you know that we were. That that was great, and the occasion, but the actual game, you know, we're just box kicking, we're I'm, one out. I'm so passing. glad you said that. I, I think that was maybe one of the things that actually being there made us reporters slightly oversell it because it just felt it felt amazing to be in there. But but I, I watched it a second time, and likewise, it was a sort of reminder. Hang on a sec, you know, Wales spilt so much ball in, yeah. the, in the first half. England had a lot of ball in the first half and, and weren't able to do a lot with it. Um, it's a poor game, uh, but but that is becoming unfortunately the norm rather than than the exception. But just uh, just, just go, all you got to do is have a look at how have we allowed this game to go from what hundred hundred and fifty tackles a game to about four to six hundred, you know, in in two decades, and we've got ruck counts that have gone through the roof to to hundreds in in games potentially, and we haven't you know we haven't adapted, we, you know, we and the game is is is. You know, driving ourselves towards a point where we something terrible will happen, 
and and I don't I can't quite understand how we're still getting all the support and all the following for a game that actually the, the spectacle is becoming worse and worse. Something will change. Something will have to change. But you, you, what you're saying is that sometimes it's a disaster that makes you change it. Yeah. It could be something hor- horrible happens. Well, there's, been, and we're, there's we're, been enough of them in France, which is why the French are proposing dramatic changes to the game. And we're constantly, yeah, as a, as a, as a sport, we are only ever, have only ever really made any changes. We, I was talking about this this morning with Mark Evans. We talked about, I don't know when the game was, where there were 160-odd line-outs in England-Wales game at 19-something, and they changed... 66. The, yeah, and then, yeah. And then they yeah. changed the, the laws around, you know, where you can keep the ball and, and where line-outs are. And, we, and, that, and that was all a reaction. It's all always been reactions mm. whereas other sports are a little bit more proactive around around all of that to try to be to try to see what it will look like if we continue to allow this to happen you are only going to get heavier players more uh, emphasis on power the, the contacts are going to be more that it's going to be more attritional and the game's going to be devalued injuries are going to rise everything's going to get worse. Jonesy, if you, if you limit it to um, a certain number of pick-and-goes, would, would that make you happy or would that just be, um, call it call Oof. it five pick-and-goes and then you've got to turn the ball over and then and you get a, another sport called rugby league? Well, it, it then becomes even more like rugby league than it is at the moment. It's quite like rugby league. 19, 1993, a guy called Roger Vanderfield, an Australian, threw out, oh, with his committee, threw out the, the uh, if you're going forward, you keep the ball. And uh, it went to use it or lose it. And then the forwards were no longer needed in the rucks and balls. So they all departed and formed two lines. And as David Campesi said, the year after that, he said, I was never been tackled by so many props because he was, you yeah. know, the field was suddenly in rugby league formation. Then the game's never recovered from it. Mm. Especially since, as, as Ben says, you're talking 400 rucks. But actually, a ruck is something that should be contestable, but it's only contestable when a jackal comes in for the first couple of seconds. If he's told to get out of the way, then it's not contestable because no they won't allow you to ruck. So it's almost like 400 times you lie down on the floor, but after you've, got, you've had this crunch, you know, after you've had the crunch where you might get a head knock, yeah. then you just fall to the floor and then they do it again. Yeah, it's just, just mind-bogglingly stupid. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. plushcare.com slash weightloss. We're now joined by Sarah Hunter, the England women's captain, after another successful uh, weekend for for the England women. They're three from three, beat Wales at the weekend 51-12. Sarah, you didn't play in the game, but um, uh, you must have been... Uh, pretty delighted with with the, with the way your team went. Yeah, no, it was it was great. Obviously, um, uh, it shows the strength and depth that we we have in our, our squad at the minute. That we can we can make uh, seven changes and two positional changes off the back of the the France game, and uh, and yeah, put in another sort of uh, prominent performance uh, against Wales in in Cardiff, which is always a difficult place to to come and play. Mm. And um, and your three your three point analysis of the weekend again, which we like so much. Do you do you want to kick off with that? Yeah. So first was the um, game on Saturday between Italy and Ireland. Uh, we spoke about Italy and and their rise to sort of form and over the seasons have got better and better. And and the talking point for this is that they currently sit second in the table. And I don't think anyone would have would have thought that before the tournament um, kicked off. They beat Ireland. Uh, a very strong side, 29-27 at home. You know, they put their three-all draw against Wales um, last time out sort of behind them and and really showed the the force that they've become, which is particularly interesting as we we take them on in our our next Six Nations game. You know, some of their players that are really coming to the fore and their, their number seven, Franco, and... Lan, um that from fullback really um, other talisman players that sort of ignite um, the Italian side, and no doubt they'll be very buoyant coming to England in a couple of weeks' time. So that's a that's a, a really exciting challenge for you, then. Yeah, absolutely, and it's what we we obviously need. They they so it was the first time they beat Ireland as well. So they've never beaten Ireland in the the history of their their um, women's game, which is fantastic um, for them, and you know. They're, they're always sort of a, a very difficult team to, to play against us and um, for us to play against sorry and I think them coming to, to England in two weeks time and us knowing we, we want to improve on our performance yes it wasn't um, the finished article yesterday when we played and we know we need to get better and and Italy always seem a challenge for us. You know, they they stifle us by the the way they um, come at us as a breakdown, and they put pressure on us and the way they defend. So we know we'll have to um, be really at the top of our game if we we, we don't want an upset there. Mm-hmm. Hey, Sarah, it's Ben Ryan here. I've got hi Ben. My question really is around um, the timings and selection of Six Nations um, yeah. teams for the women because I look at the Sevens World Series for women and see that Ireland and France have prioritised this year putting their players in the Sevens programme to try to get automatic qualification for the Olympics, whereas England have done the opposite and they're sitting in eighth place in the World Series but are sitting in top place in the Six Nations. Do do you think, well, two things, would you, as a player, would you like to somehow organise Six Nations so that you've got you got the chance to play full strength Ireland and France sides and does that mean that you need to have it at another time of the season and secondly when you look at the women and the teams in Europe you could argue that Italy Wales and Scotland could be replaced by Spain and Russia um, potentially as two two options that are stronger as as women's nations rugby teams than, than perhaps Scotland and Wales 
Where, do you think there's that we, you need to stick with the same teams that the, that the men have? Um, I don't. I think as we as we develop, I think you want the probably the best teams in the competition. Um, and Woods, uh, knowing that there was a promotion relegation battle in the in Six Nations, um, make other nations that sort of are at that end of the table like improve on their performance or would it um, allow more investment into their to their women's game from, from those unions so actually they became stronger and they became more competitive um, it's a really interesting conversation I think as we go forward like, as a player you want to be you want to be playing the best teams um, but does but then this argument of does our Six Nations being aligned to the men does that give us more exposure and awareness of of the game at the minute? So I think it's a a, a really interesting um, conversation to to be have, but I don't think we should be necessarily afraid to have that conversation mm. in terms of yeah. what works best for the women's game, not just what work, what is what has been what it was because of what the men's programme was doing as well um, and you could have the same conversation in, in the, the men's programme you know obviously mm. um, with the likes of um, the Georgians um, like being really competitive in the, the men's side of the game and mm. probably could they and other nations um, as well could they could they push for that that sort of bottom space and in the in the men's six nations so i think just because traditionally what we've always done doesn't mean say we, we have to continue to to do that well said sarah uh, you wanted to talk about the new age props we we've sort of started to to see them come to the fore but i think it, it's replicated in in the men's game you see like the likes of tad furlong kyle sinclair and what was the, the traditional prop of oh, we're just going to scrum and we'll just do our set piece and you probably won't see them around the park you know we saw a performance from Sarah Byrne yesterday who, yes, does her, her job at set-piece, but she's running out in the back line like a centre and sidestepping like a full-back and, you know, running in tries. And you see that when they made substitutions when sort of Sean Brown comes on and, and makes line breaks, Hannah Botman's done it, not just in this game, they've done it continuously through um, the Autumn Internationals, the Six Nations, and I think we're really seeing... Um, a different breed of 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 props or players forwards that coming through. You know, it's not when you get away from um, set piece time. Like it's not the number on your back that matters. It's about how you can contribute in your skill set to to the game. But I think it it was really applicable yesterday and really evident, with, especially with our with our front row. You could you could look at our hookers as well in terms of Amy Kane and the way she. She plays like as an extra back row player around around the pitch, but I think it's really exciting to see that they're actually changing changing the way and the stigma around a, a front row forward and and what it takes to be to be a, a modern day prop in this game. Sarah, Sarah Byrne was absolutely amazing yesterday. Sarah. Yeah. And actually, I know she's um, like most props. Now she's really hefty, but she she looked to have the the, the skills of a sevens player as well. She was compl- very very rapid indeed, and I in a way felt sorry for those poor Welsh girls trying to tackle her. Yeah, she I mean, was no, amazing. I'm, just, I'm glad she's on our on our team. That's for sure. But um, <laughs> but yeah, her and it, it's a it's a testament to the work of uh, all the players, what they go away and do, and and they do in their 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 own time and their skills time, and what the coaches are having us do. As you know, like. Um, improving our ball handling skills, our decision making, um, the 
all the the time that we have in terms of our strength and conditioning program on the speed and the agility work that that we do and that she does especially in the forwards uh, forwards especially do you know so um and she uh, she started life as a as a back row so she's probably uh getting the, those sort of days back out there again but yeah, yeah she, she's fantastic to have and we obviously missed her during the autumn with um with uh, injury but it's fantastic to see her come back into to the form she was before she she got injured so yeah she uh, certainly set the, the game on fire yesterday Sarah that's brilliant thanks thanks very much you you, you got you back to uh, Bisham for the week now I uh, know we've got a few days back at our clubs um, training there and then we'll come in to, for a couple of days at the end of end of the week um, to start looking at our preparation towards um, Italy in a couple of weeks time okay well listen go go well and we'll, I think we're speaking to you again in a couple of weeks time after the Italy game yeah it'd be great to speak to you then good okay. luck Sarah great to talk yes. I, I always wonder about the women's competition maybe they should just have it at a different time to the men I mean, well, the, the, the men's competition there's so much attention and media on it that maybe if the women just did it at a different part of the year then that, then That's they would get more focus themselves, yeah, you think? Exactly. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm sorry, Sam. Well, I was going to say, I mean, that would have two. First of all, they have more focus, and B, as Ben suggested, they then might be able to sort of align the programmes a little bit better so you're not going into one or the other, either 7s or 15. So, uh, I, I, I don't know, I think that the, the more they break away... I mean, I don't even think every single law that's passed for the men's game need necessarily be helpful for the for the women. They, they should agree. split away a little bit. They should split away a little bit. Yeah, I agree. I think I think it's a it's we're seeing there's two things around planning for the women. One is you know that that now as a result of probably England prioritising the 15s women's team in the Six Nations, their sevens team that represents the qualification for Great Britain for the Tokyo 2020 Olympics are struggling and they're eighth and they're, and there's three European teams above them so if they don't get in the automatic slots which is top four which they won't they've got to go through Europe and they won't at the moment get anywhere near the, those European teams so, so, so they, the they chance really, of a GB women's team at the Olympics is quite slim now. it's slim I would say it's very slim now because they're going to have to go through the repechage Europe Europe or the repechage and both of those at the moment on form they're way below where that's they the team be. that that in Rio thought they could win the thing yeah yeah and, and and whether they now then have to you know for those that that playoff in Europe they chuck in all their main players against teams that have been together all year and and then in the Six Nations it's a shame you know they, they had big a big match against France that in Doncaster that was labelled as the, you know the decider but French girls you know their top players were playing the weekend before in sevens tournament and weren't playing and England want to play against the best so that when they eventually get to a, a World Cup for 15s and they play the All Blacks, who are the only competition they really have at full strength or a French full strength side, they, they're used to that intensity. So, that, so yeah, I, I, see, I see that as a, you, know, you want the best against the best in the, in the women's game. And then it's, you know, to another level when you look at the bottom of the premiership and you see Newcastle losing without key players and then, you know, and Worcester beating Leicester with all their rafter players and that the premiership are now getting hampered by producing English qualified players because they're, they're missing players in very key games. Yes, huge games. Massively. You look at Newcastle now in, are in danger of getting relegated and what they've got Graham and Wilson missing this weekend that are going to be in camp in a big, big game for them. And, so well, that's not fair. I mean, what's yeah. what's going on there? Well, it's just just touching on that. I wanted to talk about that briefly. But I mean, so, so as you say, this Sunday is 
uh, arguably the the Premiership relegation decider. Newcastle, Worcester, Newcastle on seventeen and Worcester on twenty six, albeit Bristol are on twenty six as well. But if Newcastle lose that, then they they're sort of feeling cut adrift, aren't they? Yeah, and it's a great shame because everybody loved their progress last year. They're an outpost and. Um, did fantastically well to reach the top four. They got the, they got the big game at St James's Park, which was great. This time at the end of the season, there's going to be big rugby days at uh, Newcastle for the for the for the two finals of Europe. And I know that the that the, the Newcastle Falcons have organised a massive um, thing around it. You know, a festival of games and all that. It's an absolute cry and shame that they should, they should be at the bottom there. Mm-hmm. But as you say, Ben, it. it Again, it, it's kind of an example of, of, of rugby doesn't work. You know, it's a game that that we still ha- don't know how to manage or to administer properly. That the fact that there there is this overlap and and the clubs are doing their utmost to stop this overlap so that they don't play at the same uh, same time as international so weekend. What, so what's the answer? So, they go so to eleven the months season. You go to eleven months season, and, yeah, everyone, and everyone thinks that's yeah. terrible, which it is. Yeah. And, so you know, rugby no, doesn't work. And we're again, like you know, I was speaking to Mark Evans this morning about this, and you know, we just didn't even. No one's even done any like look, looking into whether what would happen if we did cut the games down and we had less. How would that affect fi- the finances and the preparation, the play, and everything? But, but we haven't gone to that point. But to have your domestic competition that you're trying to say is the most competitive league in the world, and then they're, they're playing at the same time that their best players are playing on international duty, wouldn't football wouldn't even dream of that occurring? They just shut down the Premiership when there's when there's a, an international window. So we need to. I mean, that's just so unfair on the clubs. And like you say, the the ones at the bottom, and, and then what happens? What's the ripple? Bristol, they recruit overseas players that are, are past test matches or not going to be used, and they don't have any problems around that. But then they're not, you know, as a result of that, they're not bringing enough English players through the system. Or look at Wasps, for instance, who in the last year have lost Haskell and Cipriani. They're going to lose um, Elliot Daly. They're going to lose Nathan Hughes, and they've lost Christian Wade. Yeah. Those five English players, and I. I off the top of my head I don't know but the, the amount of foreign players that have come in in their stead because yeah. they will be able to play them at those weekends you know they've replaced English with foreign it's um, I mean like you speak to all the DORs and head coaches and they it's a it's a big you know, a point for them when they're recruiting get players that are not going to be called up by the by Six Nations or in the November internationals yeah. so that they can get get use of them in the in the premiership that's also just wrong on lots of levels right back to Six Nations because we have haven't talked about a number of the other uh, nations um, uh, France made something of a comeback they they've invented their team for the first weekend reinvented for the second and then reinvented again for the third um, uh, and now and now they've I don't know who who knows if they found something not not convincing but they did play against us against a Scotland who have been so ravaged by injury that it's really hard to assess them. Um, uh, Steve, what did do you do you do you make any sense of that or do you just think that was a bit of a a um, a, 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 a contest that's hard to judge because of the situation that the Scots were in? A, a little bit. You do feel sorry for them, but let's be fair. I think was it either three or four TMO. Decisions ruled out French tries, which I don't mean they were tries, but I mean they came very close yeah. to TMOs. There, you've come very close to scoring, and uh, I, I think France really dominated. And there was a time at the end where I think the Scottish try out, uh, really unbalanced the score. And I thought they were palpably the better side, much better than they were against England, which is not difficult. Uh, that um, um, 
the back three looked like they'd ever, ever met before for a, for a start. Even Bastero stirred himself. Um, I still think they, they're wrong. I think Cambio Lopez is still the best 10. He may be an unlikely figure. But one or two of the fours are beginning to fire. I think Demba Bamba's made the 20-year-olds, made a difference. Yeah. Um, and Vahamina stirred himself. Um, um, Louis Picamol, I uh, don't know what he was thinking at Twickenham. He didn't play any part in it. I think maybe the shame of tricking them has, has, has helped them. And they, they were a lot better. You do feel very sorry for Scotland. Is it 14 players out or something? But <laughs> more. For, France Quite a lot better. more than that. Yeah, OK. Well, thank, thank God um, Fra- France, France were improved, definitely. Ben, so, uh, Ben, you uh, work as a part-time consultant to the French Rugby Federation. Yeah. So I'd just be interested in your perspective on this. So that you, you'd have read the media from the first two weeks, particularly of the Six Nations, uh, in the... In the um, English written media that this is the the well and and at home all over French have got a, a complete hammering for those yeah. two performances yeah. and everything that went went into those those defeats from 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 your perspective uh, are, are France really as low as they did seem then uh, can you see them coming back just how how do you see them at the moment to, to that's an essay question, yeah. is it? Sorry, so, we could be here for a month so or two. About two that. really quick things. Um, one is, yeah, I, to- I, I can I can definitely see progression as far as systems that are being put into place to give France a much better chance on consistently at Test match level. Um, but then, secondly, they got selection badly wrong in in the first couple of games, and they started to address that in the game against Scotland, um, particularly I think in the mix of the back line. Um, and their decision making and as a result of that they had they just they, they flowed a little bit better there's a few things happening in France so so one is the um, the amount of French qualified players is yeah. going up every every year and Bernard Laporte brought that in when he was one of his big flags he flew when he got presidency um, and that's gonna that's gonna ha- take time it's, ha- it's gonna mean more and more players are gonna are gonna go into the top 14 and, and pro de that are French qualified and that's going to have a knock-on effect for providing better players that are more experienced in test match um, and then the academies and everything else and that, and, and in particular positions like back three wingers it's all Fijian in the top 14 so that um, over the next couple of years you're only going to get one or two and uh, um, that are going to be playing and the rest will be French qualified so that's good age grade are better they still need to address the conditioning because the, you've only got to watch the tempo of a top 14 game versus a premiership game and everything's so much quicker. You've only got to watch England versus France and uh, um, I had a French friend that was saying that he would do his analysis and the line-out would be go to touch in the top 14 and then he'd be able to do the analysis in between the time it took to kick the ball to touch and the line-out. He said he couldn't do that in the England-France game. First three line-outs England took, by the time he looked up at the TV, the game the ball was back in play. yeah. yeah just don't have that tempo of of what's happening in top 14 so 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 there's there's definitely um some improvements that are happening and and they have an end goal 2023 world cup in france 2024 olympics in paris for their men's and women's sevens teams they have good age grade can you give a one word answer to to the the fear of englishmen that they'll get to japan and and that you know that French that mythical French team that never turns up will actually turn up. They won't get to Japan and be able, they they do well historically in World Cups. The top fourteen final is later than it has been, gives them less time on the ground than they've had in previous World Cups. Um, that's going to affect play. They're going to need they're going to need to have um, a little bit of luck to to hit a semi final. I think um, you've got to look in five years time for 
for the home World Cup, where I would say they will be, will be, you'll be talking about them in four years as favourites for that. I think they'll wow. get. I think they'll okay. be. Uh, they, they have the, they have the players. <coughs> if they can get everything else right and put the right staff in, affect conditioning, um, the league system is going to improve. Um, with that, will come a better intensity, and and things will are slowly on the up there. Okay, gents, thanks very much. We are going to wrap up with our final regular item, our god or goddess of the week, uh, someone who's caught your eye, done something amazing. Um, Jonesy? Mine is a goddess because um, I'm tired of talking about Wales and England. I was tired of it before the game started, frankly. I did enjoy the game and I enjoyed working on it, but um, I've, no, I've no moved on, Slotty. I've well no done. moved on. Well done. I'm and, still there, um, by the way. <laughs> I've moved on. Sarah Byrne for England on sad, on Sunday against Wales, uh, against a, an, an outgunned, outpowered Wales team in Italy, was absolutely devastatingly good. Um, Sarah said, "Handling, sidestepping, uh, my goodness, that 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 just must have been inspirational for a lot lot of the bigger girls in in rugby. To you know, there is a role for you. Get fit, get uh, you can be sk- skillful, big, fast, fit. Uh, do your stuff in the scrum. Love the game in the loose. So it, she was my goddess because she played brilliantly, but was an example to everyone out there. Very good, very strong. Thank you, Scott. Ben." Mine, uh, mine is a was a pair of gods really, and um, I, I don't normally disagree with Stephen, but uh, I think in Antomac, there's a fly half there that is massively inexperienced and raw, but he has incredible amount of talent. And if they stick with him and Toulouse play him at, at ten, Dupont on Antomac um, could be around the French setup for a long, long time. And and I thought they they both played very well at the weekend, and, and for me they're the they're the gods of the week. Very good. Um, mine, I, I, I will go back to the Wales England game because I think well, that was the resonating uh, match of, of the entire weekend. Uh, and I will go with the um, the Wales coach, who people like to say might one day be the England coach. Um, uh, that's a conversation for another day. Uh, Warren Gatland, who um, put together a team that did what many people didn't think they were going to. He outcoached Eddie Jones and. Uh, just put together a superlative team. Uh, how we how do, have we ever worked out how we how, how we decide this? Yeah, you do because you're in charge. So I'm in charge. So <laughs> I, I could really bat my own man. All right. Well, because we like having Ben on so much, we want him to come back again. I'm going to go for the, uh, the French halfbacks. Thank you very much, Ben, for being on. Uh, great to see you. Jonesy. I'll be seeing you later. Yes, you will. And um, I got. Have you got your acceptance speech ready? No, I'm waiting to, to hear yours. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> I think we need to explain that next week. Um, uh, you were listening to the Ruck. Thank you very much indeed. We'll be back next week. Uh, thanks for joining us. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 